The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. What's going on, everybody? Happy Sunday to you. You're listening to the Built in Buffalo Network, and this is the Conflict of Interest with Dan Kelly and Akeem Richens. Akeem, you ready to argue, buddy? Hey, bro. Hey, Rich. Akeem Richens. I am more than ready to, to have these little debates, man. It should be fun. Always is. Of course, we're going to get it started with the Buffalo Bills updates. Rookie tackle Spencer Brown is probably out for Sunday. We do record this a day early. Not sure if he's testing today, uh, but with the signing of Bobby Hart, it looks like Brown is out. What is supposed to be the most important player on the Bills offense, according to my co-host here. Uh, what are your thoughts, man? I believe it's a huge loss if if it happens to be that way with Spencer Brown. Uh, we, we hope that Bobby Hart is just taking up a roster spot, right? We hope we don't actually see Bobby Hart on the football field, even though we don't have much of an offensive line regardless, right? But Bobby Hart is, in my opinion, just that bad. But as far as the game on Sunday, uh, Spencer Brown being out, it could loom large. We're talking about a Colts team that has a rookie defensive end in Quiddy Pay, who's really picked it up the last couple of weeks in terms of his pressures. And right next to him is a man named DeForest Buckner, and he has an opportunity uh, to really wreck the game against the Buffalo Bills. And we all know the Bills struggle against above average interior defensive linemen. And, and with Spencer Brown being out, this seems like a, a possible problem looming for the Bills. Well, the Colts are, are no team to slouch on. They got two running backs that you tweeted about, ran sub 4-4-40s. Jonathan Taylor leads the league in rushing yards, tied with Derrick Henry, but after this week, I think it's fair that he's going to gain at least one yard against Buffalo to take that lead. Fair enough. Th this is a tough game, and if you lose Spencer Brown for this one, is he out for Thanksgiving against the Saints as well? Uh, it, 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 that, that's another, that's another obstacle and bridge we're going to have to cross when we get there. Right. But the new Orleans saints is another team. And we talked about any given Sunday last week and being about matchups, the Colts, the saints, they have two very good defenses that can really stabilize and neutralize the Buffalo bills front. If Spencer Brown, uh, is unavailable, and if Brian Dayball is is not prepared offensively to to mask his limitations, mask those limitations. One thing I'm worried about with this Colts team, A. Rich, is the fact that every game the Bills have lost this year has not been due to quarterback play from the opposite side. Trevor Lawrence did not have an immaculate game against Buffalo. Ryan Tannehill didn't throw ten completions until the fourth quarter, and Ben Roethlisberger played okay. So you do not have to play a good game as a quarterback to beat this Buffalo Bills team. And the Colts don't need Carson Wentz to play like Tom Brady to win this game. They just got to hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor. That's really all they have to do. And if that pressure gets in from Pay, DeForest Buckner, their linebacker, obviously, he's been nursing an injury. Darius Leonard, I'm not sure if he's going to play. I hope not. But yeah. if he does, this is tough. I don't think the Saints game is as hard, though. I'll be honest with you. Whether it's Trevor Simeon or whether it's Taysom, uh, Taysom Hill, Elvin Kamara is hurting as well. So the Saints, I'm not as worried about, but this Colts game, it's a rough go. Uh, 
most definitely, most definitely a rough go, right? Because the Bills' offensive line has has been in some in some shambles, and I believe both games will be hard without uh, without our best offensive lineman in Spencer Brown. Man, it's it's going to be a tough go, and we're going to see what happens. We we spoke about those games where the Buffalo Bills and the opposition didn't have their quarterbacks having to play stellar football, but that was because. Uh, they, those teams was able to do a good job neutralizing the Buffalo Bills offense. And eventually their offense, the opposition's offense, uh, became efficient enough to make plays and win at the end. So the Buffalo Bills offense, even without Spencer Brown, have to find ways uh, to score points. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. You can't do the same thing you did against Jacksonville, putting Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, Diggs, Beasley, Sanders. We need to see McKenzie. We need to see Davis. We need to see Brita. We need to see all of these things happen. If you're going to beat the Indianapolis Colts this week, you have to be very creative. And he did a good job last week, Dable, with the play calling. We need to see it again. But COVID is a problem around the league, Akeem. It's not just in Buffalo. We do have Spencer Brown out, Starlo Tulele. There's no word on him yet. I'm not expecting him to play. Trubisky has returned from the COVID list. Jake Fromm's still on the COVID list. But I, I wanted to know if you heard about the Antonio Brown situation in Tampa Bay. Uh, the Antonio Brown, yes. Uh, I believe he had a run-in with his chef. Uh, he or he hired a chef to come work with him in his personal home. He got his first invoice, and Antonio Brown didn't like those figures on the invoice. <laughs> so apparently, uh, or allegedly, Antonio Brown uh, didn't respond or pay to those figures. The chef got mad and said, hey, you're not going to pay me my money. I know things about you, buddy. You have a fake vaccination card. And if that is the case... Boy, I believe Antonio Brown is in trouble, and he opens up uh, a can of worms for the rest of the players in the NFL. There is hundreds of players in the league, and I'm not sure if Antonio Brown is the only one that thought of that idea, if it is true. So it's definitely a potential can of worms that starts from Antonio Brown's kitchen, nevertheless. And first reported by Adam Schefter, apparently it was only $500 for Antonio Brown to get a fake vaccination card. $500 to Antonio Brown is like a $5 bill to the normal average American. So I don't know. It, it's just, it's a lot going on. COVID in the NFL, a whole situation. But there's another situation, the Las Vegas Raiders, former head coach John Gruden suing the NFL. I want to give you guys these numbers because this is a crazy amount. There were 650,000 emails found by the NFL. And the only one who got leaked was John Gruden. He was obviously released from the Vegas Raiders. Uh, what are your thoughts on this situation, eh, Rich? Uh, first of all, obviously, when you hear or when, when you hear about certain things from a head coach and you hear about a a, a person in the NFL that that is looked up to amongst his peers and amongst uh, NFL players and colleagues. When you see those emails, it's like, wow, John Gruden, I understand uh, why the NFL uh, took the precautions they took and, 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 and uh, removed him uh, from the Las Vegas Raiders as a head coach. But at the same time, why is it just John Gruden? 
650,000 emails. I'm pretty sure John Gruden is not the only one that said some pretty messed up things. So it leads me to believe that the NFL is hiding uh, a bunch of different things. And we it could be wide range from uh, CTE cases. It could be uh, it could be from uh, these refs. We're talking about officiating the refs. Is it possible the refs are betting on games? I'm not saying it's true, but with 650,000 emails, who knows what the hell is going on? And I think we should keep all our options open and we should all want to hear or see what the rest of the NFL is saying about everybody else, not just John Gruden. Well, this according to CNN, that Gruden's lawsuit claims that the NFL is deliberately trying to hurt Gruden. Obviously, he was removed from his position with the Vegas Raiders. And it says, well, other details of the investigation into the Washington football team were kept secret. We we all know the problems with Washington. Uh, the, the ownership there, Dan Snyder, has had questions about him for years. And Gruden, I think, wants him out, wants him blackballed from the league the way that they're blackballing Gruden. What do you think on that? Anything's possible. You know, anything is possible. We know that the NFL is a is is uh, a sport that is run by the owners, right? Um, uh, Roger Goodell and 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 guys that we think run the NFL really don't run the NFL. The owners run this NFL and who knows what the owner from the Washington football team have in those emails, who knows if he has any racist remarks. And when you have um, remarks that can hinder you because you're in ownership of the NFL, the NFL enhance is going to do what they have to do to protect you, which is the owner. So um, it's, it's, it's a lot of can of worms to open up. And I think it's the word is deliberate. It's, it, I think it's going to happen, but it's going to take some years for everything to come out. But I'm right here. I'm, pa- I'm a patient guy, so we'll see. Well, Dan Snyder's had questions on his character for years. Ever since RG3 came in, they were having that great season, and he plays him in the playoff game with a knee injury, possibly hurting his longtime career stock. And then he, he had problems with the Redskins name, of course. He had taken time off not spoken to his his team, any of his coaches. There's problems all over the place. Let's get back to football, A. Rich. Football is what we're talking about. And uh, Patriots-Falcons Thursday night. There was a quote from Tom Brady this week about upsets in the NFL because last week the Buccaneers lost to the Washington football team. And Tom Brady came out and said, there's no such thing as upsets in the NFL. Uh, We can lose to a high school team. We could lose to Tampa Bay high school team. And then the Falcons put up a goose egg on the Patriots, lose 25-0. Uh, what are your first thoughts on that game? Uh, well, the my first thoughts is Tom Brady, that quote is baloney. You know, <laughs> NFL, no NFL team is going to lose to a high school team. I understand what you're saying, but don't take it to the extreme to, exactly. justi- to justify your loss to the Washington football team. You just played bad. Your team played bad and y'all lost. That's what happened. But – um. Uh, the uh, Atlanta Falcons, 25-0, they put up a dud. Uh, they lost 40-something to three 
uh, a couple of short days ago to the to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not sure what the hell is going on over there. It looks like a dumpster fire. Uh, Mac Jones, 22 for 26, 207 yards, one TD, one interception, one interception. Uh, he was efficient, and yet again we have to hear about Mac Jones like he's this godly and worldly quarterback, and he's oh, doing I, something I got a so crazy. I got a stat for you. <laughs> Uh, for one of the first quarterbacks since like Roethlisberger to win his first five road starts because New England's on a five game win streak. Got to love those stats that they always put out. Yeah, I mean, you got to love those stats. But I mean, uh, again, no hate on Mac Jones. I think he's coming in and this was the exact vision Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots had. I think uh, Bill Belichick is, is showing and proving why he's an excellent coach. Uh, the vision was in the offseason to get tight ends and and get secondary and, and second and maybe third tier wide receivers so they won't complain if possibly they don't get the ball, right? And they built a, a, a coaching staff around these players and this rookie uh, quarterback, and they're being successful. So uh, shout out to Bill Belichick, but, you know, the New England Patriots still have to play the Buffalo Bills twice, so we'll see what happens when we get there. Exactly. But I got something for you. <laughs> oh, that's hot. That's hot. Love hot it. take. Hot take, Rich. All right. Matt Ryan is part of the reason that the Falcons are failing. Because if you look at the older quarterbacks in the NFL, the only one who you can say is successful is Tom Brady. Okay. Ben Roethlisberger's on the decline. Eli Manning recently retired. Roethlisberger's on his way out. Matt Ryan should not be the quarterback in Atlanta anymore. They took Kyle Pitts in the draft, who is a stellar player, but if you don't have time to get him the ball, that's a problem. The Atlanta Falcons offensive line played horrendously against New England Patriots on Thursday night, but Matt Ryan has not helped things. And and maybe it's because the help around him has changed. I kind of I kind of look at it as a Tyrod Taylor situation in Buffalo. Taylor had a great year. I believe it was his second year in Buffalo. He had a really good year stat-wise. Then they traded Sammy Watkins away, and they, they got rid of a lot of his help, and it, his numbers went down. And then, you know, he was traded to Cleveland and all this. So I think the Falcons are, are trying to pin some of this on Matt Ryan, but it's an organization thing. You put up zero points in the NFL, you're going to have questions. Matt Ryan is not the answer anymore. I don't know if he can be the answer for somebody else, but it's not working in Atlanta. Wow. <laughs> you said a handful there, buddy, and, and and I get it, right? Matt Ryan, especially the way he looked on Thursday, he threw a couple of interceptions, and we we see that uh, we see the evolution of the NFL, right? There's there's no more Drew Bledsoe's or Eli Manning's or or Philip Rivers. You have to be at least uh, Aaron Rodgers esque where you're not a running quarterback, but you still have to have enough pocket awareness, quickness to, to elude the pocket and elude defenders if necessary. And Matt Ryan cannot do that, right? But I do believe Matt Ryan is smart enough. I believe in his IQ, and I believe he's still uh, capable of making every throw to be uh, a starting quarterback in this NFL. The Atlanta Falcons organization has been a dumpster fire. 
They haven't been able to find the right head coach. They haven't been able to find the right nucleus. They've been uh, in high turnover for years. And ever since, in my opinion, Kyle Shanahan left the Atlanta Falcons to, to uh, be the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, it's been downhill ever since for Matt Ryan and the, and the Atlanta Falcons. In my opinion, if they would have had Kyle Shanahan today, Matt Ryan would look a lot better than he actually is. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo still has some success. You know, he's not the best quarterback, but I believe if the San Francisco 49ers was the release of Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody, one of these 32 NFL teams will be calling Jimmy Garoppolo to, to start for their football team. And I do still believe Matt Ryan is better than a Jimmy Garoppolo. So because of those things, uh, I think Matt Ryan is a capable starter, but definitely not the guy he once was. Now, I'm not saying he's the 33rd best quarterback in the NFL. If he right. if he was released, I guarantee you he would be signed. Maybe he would start. Maybe he wouldn't. But it's not working with Atlanta, whether that be the coaching. You want to talk about Kyle Shanahan, a man who many, and, and maybe I'm putting it out there as well, it was announced that he, he was taking that San Francisco 49ers football job before the Falcons and the Patriots played in that Super Bowl. Maybe not announced, but it was leaked. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up blowing that 28-3 to lead. Did he sabotage the Falcons before leaving? Because that's sure how it seems. Ever since he's been gone, the Falcons have been pretty bad. The defense kept them in that game at certain points. There was that interception, and they could not do a thing, whether it be the offensive line, whether it be the running back. I don't know what the problem is. We just know the Atlanta Falcons. Their record says that they're four and six. They're not a team to worry about. But we're going to get into that too, A. Rich. Pretenders of the NFL. You take us away with the AFC first. Well, this has been a a interesting topic, interesting conversation. When we look at uh, the teams in in the AFC, we see that. Uh, first of all, is a is a pretty damn strong conference, right? We we have the the AFC North, who have all the guys still content, all the teams still contending for playoff spots, and we have the AFC West that still uh, every team in that division is still contending for playoff spots. But in my in my opinion, AFC pretenders, Los Angeles Chargers. Wow. Los wow. Los Los Angeles Chargers pretenders. Uh Losing at home to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings is they are they are a, a, a decent NFL football team, but I was thinking that the LA Chargers with their big physical quarterback in Justin Hu- and Hubert and two big receivers on the outside with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams having a career year, and you have this defensive guru in the Brandon Staley, and they come out and they lose to the Minnesota Vikings, and this has been uh the most healthy I've seen the Chargers been in some time. Duran James is indeed in the lineup. Duran James was looked at as a Swiss Army knife and one of the better uh, safeties over over the NFL the past couple of years. He's been hurt. So when I look at the Chargers and they lose into uh, the Minnesota Vikings at home, losing to a rookie quarterback, New England Patriots at home, when they just uh, annihilated you the year before, uh, 45, I believe they put up over 40 points the year before. So I, 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 I thought that the L.A. Chargers with the new coach, new team and new philosophy would be, be able to come in and 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 win these winnable home games if you are indeed a team of contention. 
But since you're not a team of contention, you're losing home games to quality opponents, but not Super Bowl contending opponents. So for me, that's a red flag. And uh, they've been figured out uh, some of their successes they had in the beginning of the season. And I think they're in trouble. And, and the Chargers are pretenders in my book. Wow. Pretenders. Yeah. The L.A. Chargers. Who would think that as, as the way the season started? I, I can see your point. And the reason that I'm going to agree with you is something that you had not mentioned. The fact that they're in the AFC West with mm-hmm. those teams, Kansas City just, I mean, rekindled some of what their offense used to be with Patrick Mahomes' performance last week. That's a team, obviously, to look out for. I I like it, but I don't because the Chargers are a team that, you know, I don't have a problem with in the NFL. We have problems with, you know, the teams in the division. We have problems with certain teams. I don't think the Chargers have ever done the Buffalo Bills wrong. Right. I don't have a problem with them personally, but uh, I I can get behind that. In the NFC, I'm going NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals, okay? This team started off undefeated, I believe, 6-0 they got to. Uh, Kyler Murray's been hurt. DeAndre Hopkins has been hurt. Hopkins not playing this week. I think they're just too young to get it done. They're in, a, they're in a tough division as well. The Seahawks lost to the Packers last week, but that doesn't make them any less dangerous. The 49ers are a team that can play spoiler, kind of like the Minnesota Vikings you mentioned beating the LA Chargers. The 49ers are a team that can play spoiler. I don't think they're quite ready yet either. But the Cardinals are just too young, too inexperienced. The, the defense isn't where it needs to be. They're, they're where the Buffalo Bills were two years ago, where they're, they're getting there but I don't think they're quite there yet. And they may get to the dance. They may get to the playoffs, but I don't expect them to have a Cinderella run or anything like that in them this year. Now that's not, that's a hot take. I'm surprised you didn't put the hot take on with that one. Cause the Arizona Cardinals in my book, in my opinion, they, they are uh, a legit team in terms Why? of, and they're, I think they're loaded on both sides of the ball. You have, you have Kylo Murray who, uh, is capable of beating you with his arm and his legs. Of course, I would like to see him progress more as a passer. You now, have... they, they lost to a team last week that doesn't have a starting quarterback yet. Yeah, and and and, and that's the thing. That's the thing. I think the Arizona, Tar- Arizona Cardinals are a talented football team on both sides of the ball, right? I think talent-wise, on paper, the Arizona Cardinals are a playoff football team. Now, where I do have my, my, my thoughts and I question them is the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Again, I know the NFL is an offensive league, but he's not, he wasn't necessarily the winningest coach in college. And I, I'm not sure if he's the guy that can, that can lead, that can be a leader of men to hoist the Lombardi trophy. So I do question the head coach and I do question the durability of Kylo Murray. He's only about 5'10", 200 pounds. He was out last year with an ankle. He's out this year with a high ankle sprain. So I, I do question Kylo Murray's durability and him having issues staying healthy and the coach. So I see it, but the roster is just too loaded to call them pretenders in my opinion. Quarterback injured, number one wide receiver injured, running back injured. They're not going to be able to win certain games. Losing to Carolina, that was a winnable game last week. I understand it was the return of Cam Newton, and he scored his two touchdowns and whatever. He's probably going to start this week, by the way. Mm -hmm. Losing that game to me is a big question mark. 
on, right. on them for the for the rest of the year. I'm not mad at it, especially especially disappointing uh, because you beat San Francisco the week prior. You know, you beat San Francisco the week prior. We seen what San Francisco come, came and did this past week, uh, playing excellent football. So, uh, I guess they're a product of any given Sunday, right? Yeah, you you mentioned paper, and this season is anything but the NFL on paper. Yeah. Anybody can lose to anybody. And Excellent it, point. I don't like it <laughs> I, because for for guys like us who are predicting the games on Sundays, who are not being judged by people, but people you know tune in to listen to us and mm-hmm. come in and watch the live streams. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, you told us this was going to happen, and then mm-hmm. Tampa Tampa Bay loses to Washington. Yeah, like, right, right. Who would have thought? I mean, maybe the Washington football team fans. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And you know what? I I, I, I see it now. It's easier to see things after it's already happened, right? The Washington football team has played a gauntlet of a schedule. So if I could find them right quick, let me see if I could find the Washington football team and their schedule. I just want to reel off. Well, yeah, uh, Washington won the division, so they mm-hmm. have to play the other division winners. Mm-hmm. And they're not a team. The NFC least last year, as I referred to them, right. uh, that's not a division that should be going up against number one seeds. Char- Chargers, Bills, Saints, Chiefs, Packers, Buccaneers. They, they, they played a really tough schedule. And by the time they played the Buccaneers, they was battle-tested. Tyler Heineke done faced any everybody he needed to face. The Washington football team played uh, elite competition throughout the entire season. So maybe maybe their tough schedule prepared them to to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. This is the conflict of interest with Dan Kelly and A. Rich. And it's time to get to the conflict of the week, which is the L.A. Rams, A. Rich, because they traded for. Odell Beckham Jr., they traded for Von Miller. Everybody thinks that they're buying in, kind of purchasing a Super Bowl ring. Um, And then they go out and lose on Monday Night Football against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the question is, does Odell make this team better or worse? I'm going to say worse because Robert Woods is out. The chemistry with him and Stafford obviously was just building – but the scrutiny that Odell Beckham Jr. brings to your football team may not be worth the talent that he brings to your football team. Now, now, what scrutiny are we talking about here? <laughs> because when I when I look at Odell Beckham and I I hear about scrutiny and I'm I'm thinking about the Giants that that he caused conflict with the Giants. Yes. Was, what? Uh, so he caused internal conflict with the Giants. Yes, and then he, internal conflict with the Giants. Okay, so his fight against Josh Norman when Josh Norman was a member of the Washington football team, mm-hmm. his antics on the sideline, whether it be kicking nets or whatever, he he forced himself out of New York the same way he forced himself out of Cleveland. You know what? That it, That's tough. That's tough in my opinion because I'm looking at, the organizations when they had Odell Beckham and I'm looking at them now, right? I'm looking at Eli Manning and the New York Giants. Eli Manning, you used to be just talking about it's a new NFL and, and, and Matt Ryan is is not the same guy. Well, Eli Manning was turning into a dinosaur, right? Uh, the New York Giants franchise today, we see what's going on with them. They're not that good. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'll keep Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland, <laughs> LeBron James, I must be thinking about LeBron. The Cleveland Browns, 
Uh, the first year, Odell Beckham had over 1,000 yards. And then the next two, uh, the Cleveland Browns has been struggling as an offense. Baker Mayfield is having problems getting Odell the ball. I think that's more of a quarterback issue uh, than a wide receiver issue. That's uh, just a, just just my opinion. And when you go over to, to a team like the Rams and you lose the way you lose, uh, of course, the alarms will go off, but everything needs time. Everything needs time. Everything needs patience. And we have to be be understanding that these football players and athletes are not superhuman beings. They have to get a playbook. They have to understand the nuances of their new team. So I think with with more consistency at practice, Odell Beckham would be an upgrade eventually for the Rams. An upgrade eventually. From Robert Woods, who's been having career years with the Rams the past few years. Cooper Cup, who's having the best season by a wide receiver thus far. I don't know if you can call him an upgrade. And the reason that I'm I'm taking the defense here mm-hmm. is the fact that I listened to it on the broadcast all night. The quarterback, whether it be Baker Mayfield, whether it be Eli Manning, mm-hmm. whether it be Matthew Stafford, is knows that Odell Beckham Jr. wants the football. Now, everybody wants the football, but few can demand the football. And Beckham is one of the guys who demands the football. Even when he's covered sometimes, he wants the ball. And there's a lot of guys that are like that, but they don't bring that into the locker room. They don't bring that into practice, and they don't force themselves out of multiple organizations. And that's what's happening here. He's in L.A. I'm not saying that they're not going to be successful, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if their their plan to purchase a Super Bowl ring is going to work out at least right now, this season. And I and I like it. And hopefully, we don't know the discussions uh, between the Rams and Odell Beckham to make him sign, right? But hopefully, the organization told him that, hey, uh, we understand who you are. We understand you're a household name. But the number one priority here on this football team is winning. And... Uh, it doesn't matter what your stats look like as long as you're winning. I don't know what the discussions was, but with Odell's history we just spoke about, I would hope those things would be topics of discussions before you sign a player of his caliber. Well, the more they continue to lose, the more these questions are going to arise. Right, definitely. So winning solves everything, and that's all you need to do. But I want to get back to the Buffalo Bills-Indianapolis Colts matchup. Uh, we got pregame, we got postgame, of course. Uh, what are your thoughts going into this game? Your first thoughts, obviously Spencer Brown's out. We don't know what the Colts are going to be doing in this game. It's a home game for Buffalo. Do you think that's going to play into it? Yes, I think the home, I think the home crowd is, is, is definitely going to play a factor. Uh, I think the weather is going to play a factor. The Indianapolis Colts, their home stadium is a dome stadium. Now they're playing out in Highmark Stadium. It should be about 40 degrees tomorrow. Uh, so the, the, the fans should be rocking. We should have, or the team should have the fans behind them, and I think that will help. Uh, at the same time, uh, once once the momentum is over, once, once uh, – the crowd noise and everybody's getting in tune to the game is it's time to actually play football and, and make plays and the Buffalo bills, they're going to have to continue to make plays. It doesn't matter if they're home or away. And this is a bad matchup in my opinion for the Buffalo bills because of the Spencer Brown injury. So we're going to see what happens in the trenches because I think that's where the game is going to be won. And one thing the Buffalo bills really need to do if they want to put themselves in a good position on Sunday, 
his start better. The first half has been awful for the Bills. Mm-hmm. Second quarter better than the first, but they've been starting slow. Mm-hmm. And they finished strong, but we we need a better start so we don't have to finish as strong. Most definitely, we have to put put the pressure on Carson Wentz, Frank White, Frank Wright, and that Indianapolis Colts offense. Uh, they scare me in the backfield with Hines and Taylor. They both run sub 4440s. And if they get in the open space, uh, they definitely could be a problem. Buffalo Bills offense needs to put pressure on the Indianapolis Colts defense uh, and hence would put pressure on their offense. And hopefully Frank Wright is not as stubborn as a Mike Verbal. Mike Vrabel, right? Mike Vrabel, he's down 14 nothing. He still has King Henry. He still wants to get him the football. He's still going to get him the football. Uh, hopefully, the Buffalo Bills offense can put that pressure, go up early, and we can minimize some of that run game and take some pressure off the defensive line because Carson Wentz now needs that football in his hands. So hopefully, those things happen tomorrow. Yeah, the more the more times the ball is in Carson Wentz's hands, the better it is for the Buffalo Bills. Usually that's not the case in the NFL. When you're when you're looking at a starting quarterback, that's who scares you the most. But that's not what this football team is. Jonathan Taylor is going to be a problem, but the Buffalo Bills haven't allowed a running back besides Derrick Henry to run for more than 70 yards this season. First in run defense. I don't think that's gonna matter against Jonathan Taylor, against Naheem Hines. They're gonna have a good day. I hope not too good, but we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) All right, guys, that's all the time we have today. You're listening to The Conflict of Interest with Dan Kelly and A. Rich. You can find me on Twitter at TheRealDanKelly. And Rich, plug yourself. You know how it goes. Uh, You can find me on all social media platforms under the same name, uh, KingRich underscore 987 B-I-B. Tune in to Bill's Allergy next week, 9 o'clock, on the Bills and Buffalo Network. This has been the Conflict of Interest. A. Rich, Akeem Richens, Dan Kelly. We'll see you next week.